Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Right now, we're okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But so you met that COY coy. Yeah, yeah, oh, that yeah. that type of coy. Yeah, man. Patriots, no, I have, Chiefs. I've forgotten, really. Oh, come There's so much else happening in the world, man. Yeah, there is. There's I'm so not going to deny stuff. that. I'm not going to deny that. And I'm not someone who avoids the news. I'm not that guy. But I also I, I also don't watch cable news constantly. Yeah. But my mother in law who was back in town hanging out. Damn, mama, at, the, mama, at the house. Mom in law. Yeah. I think she likes it here. She does. So uh free meal? No. Nice no, cow. No, no, she does no. She takes a <laughs> she I mean, she does a great job of taking care of us. So I got when you. she when yeah, she yeah. comes in here. Cool. Uh but anyway, she uh she's a cable news addict. Oh so all day when I come back, it's on the television. Yeah. So it's a little much. A little much. I got you. So, I mean, I know more now about anything you need to know, I can tell you. But, really? But, man. You're up on it. It's a, it's a little much. I'm with you. Uh, one of the things that was in the news yesterday was involving Michael Bennett of the Seattle Seahawks. So, back during the Mayweather-McGregor fight, and I'll just put a, a personal spin on this. I, I knew there was an incident, not that Michael Bennett was involved, but I had heard about this incident when we were going to the airport we had shared a cab with a guy that was also going to the airport. We were kind of in a rush the next morning. And there was talk about how they thought that there was a gunman in one of the casinos, and there really wasn't. There was just loud noises, and there was a bunch of confusion. And I tried to look it up in the news, didn't find much early on. But I knew that there was an incident. So when I heard about this, I said, this must have been the thing that Michael Bennett got wrapped up into, and, and it certainly was. So it was after... Mayweather and McGregor, Las Vegas police thought that there was an active shooter. They had gotten reports about loud bangs. They went into the casino. They released a video yesterday, Las Vegas police, of their protocol, and it was on one of the um, the cams, the body cams that they wear. And they go through the casino, and you see towards the end of this video, it's about six minutes, you see... And here, the part that involves Michael Bennett, where I believe the phrase, the exact phrase is, there's one running. Mm. So because they were looking for a shooter, they told everybody to get down. Mm -hmm. They see someone sprinting out of the door. One of the officers leaves the line that they have been in. They're all together in one line, goes and tackles Michael Bennett to the ground. And that's where Michael Bennett says that, a lot of unfair things happened to him, and he wrote about it, and it became a huge story yesterday. So it's up on his Twitter account, the whole story, if you haven't seen it. And in a nutshell, the police officer told him to get on the ground, and as he was complying with his commands not to move, he placed a gun near his head and warned me that if I move, he would blow his blanking head off, and... He used excessive force. It was unbearable. He felt helpless. He believed that 
there was a chance that he could die in this moment because of other stories of this and things that we've seen and heard. And after seeing all the videos, I feel comfortable in saying that, yeah, he was running at that moment when they were looking for somebody who was supposed to be fleeing a scene. But I'll tell you right now, if that were me running, I don't think I would have been tackled to the ground. I don't think that the officer would have said, if you move, I'll blow your blanking head off. And also in that video, there's some other people that like run past the officers where they don't go after them in that manner. So is it all because Michael Bennett's black? Were they targeting or looking for a black guy in this situation? No, I can't say that 100% certain. But one thing I'm really confident in saying is that there are preconceived notions amongst some people that when they see a large black man running away from a situation that their radar goes right to them and assumptions are made that aren't made about white people that are running from a situation. In that situation, you had a number of people crouching because they heard this loud bang. That's what you do. I think that's normal across the board, no matter what your ethnicity is. You duck, you you look for cover. And then you try to escape the situation. We had an incident a number of months ago outside Dallas Harris. There was a party going on. There, were, there was gunfire. You had three black gentlemen. I think it was three or four black gentlemen jump in the car. They try to speed away from the situation. And an officer fired in the car, killing one of the, the youth. They were young, young men. They were trying to extricate themselves from the situation. But to your point... They were suspects before they were innocent bystanders or those who who have just fled a, a scene where something terrible could have occurred. And as it turns out, something terrible occurred because they fled the scene, because they were seen as suspects instead of just innocent folks trying to get out of that situation. So it's normal for us to crouch behind a slot machine or whatever if you hear a loud noise, something that sounds like gunfire. That's normal. Uh, Michael Bennett, it's interesting this happened to Michael Bennett. We had a conversation here yesterday prior to the show, Boomer Sison and I, and, and I tried to make the example of what went play, what took place in the 68 Olympics with uh, John Carlos, Tommy Smith with the fist in the air and, and the same talking points that were used then are being used now with Colin Kaepernick and all these other guys who were kneeling prior to a football contest, and, and that was this isn't the place for it. And the the pushback I received from Boomer was, well, John Carlos and Tommy Smith weren't making tens of millions of dollars. Well, Michael Bennett is, but no one gave a damn about that in the moment. No one's going to stop you and ask how much is in your bank account, Mr. Black Man. They don't care about that. They see something, they project something upon you, and then you have what you had there. And this officer, this undersheriff, I believe that was his title there in Las Vegas, see all he wanted, race had nothing to do with it. Well, what had to do with it? Uh, he wasn't wearing a hoodie, so Geraldo Rivera can't say he was wearing thuggish clothes like he said about Trayvon Martin. What was it? Did he fit the profile? Have you come out and said what the uh, alleged assailant looked like? Did you have a description yeah, I didn't that you were following up on? Yeah. So w- what preceded this jumping on Michael Bennett and pointing a gun at his head? Yeah. What well, preceded that? Yeah, there a couple of things. One, the people who have come out since this story happened and said, 
Well, they should have listened. Michael Bennett should have listened to the police, and anybody that ran <laughs> should have listened to the police and should have gotten down and not run away, and that's what caused this. Yeah. Well, that's real easy for you to say. But I'll tell you right now, my first instinct, if I see a way out that quickly in a situation where I think that there's someone running around with a gun, mm-hmm. I'm not hitting the ground and staying there. My first instinct is to leave, yes. is to go. And if you're Michael Bennett, too, who, by the way, has got a family and a great career and a lot to lose and is probably scared blankless about what's going on, him running away is a natural reaction. And, okay, if you really believe that running away from the cops when they're telling you to get on the ground is that bad of a thing, you're telling me it's that bad of a thing that he has to be thrown to the ground and put a gun to his head? Yeah. Like, how? I mean, where, we get that all the, the time. Where's the leap there? That's the thing that I really want to know. Okay, let's just for a second subscribe to that thought process. He <laughs> shouldn't have run away. Alton Sterling wasn't running. Right. I mean, it's, it's, so Orlando Castillo wasn't running. So that is that's the punishment for running away from the situation. Tamir Rice wasn't running. John Crawford III wasn't running. They they come up with all these damn excuses, and it only. They only assign them to one particular race. We should he should have adhered to what they were saying. You're in a situation like that. That's the last thing you worry about. You're trying to get away from wherever the gunshots are coming from, wherever the the whatever is happening in there. You're trying to get away from it. That's normal reaction, normal behavior. That's what you're doing. These are the same damn folks who won't believe that there is an issue in our society with social injustice. There isn't an issue with a disparity in incarceration rates. These are the same damn folks who try to conjure up some type of excuse to dismiss this and excuse it away. Same thing. Yeah. Tired of them. Yeah. And I know and am sympathetic to the fact that it is a very stressful situation for the police officers. I do understand that. Right. And I don't think that everybody involved is a bad guy. I don't. But when you watch this video, there is no reason for Michael Bennett to be treated like that. There isn't. And this isn't the first time we've seen this. So it's not some opportunity for Michael Bennett to get on a soapbox. It isn't an opportunity for Michael Bennett to say, hey, I was kneeling because of stuff like this and I'm going to leverage this. No, it's the truth. It's right there in plain sight. It doesn't help. doesn't matter. It can be right there in plain sight. You can have all the video you want. You're going to still have those deniers. It doesn't matter. They're going to find a way to dismiss it and excuse it away. It doesn't matter. You can have that videotape for everyone to see, and they'll find some fault with it. Yeah, and also, I really do think that, all right, if the protocol is for a police officer in a situation like this, to when you see someone running away, you know, even if he fits the, the profile, you know, to to go to him, you know, isn't there a, a, a more calm way to handle that? I mean, let's, let's say it was a mistaken identity. Let's say they had, I'm just trying to give them the benefit of the doubt yeah. for a second. Let's say they, that Michael Bennett fit the exact description. Let's, by the way, there wasn't a shooter. And let's remember that yeah. there wasn't a shooter in this, but let's say he did. I mean, you're telling me that that's the way you handle. You don't know if he's armed. You don't know who he is. You you, you can't just you know pull him aside, cuff him, stay here for a second. It's got to be that. <laughs> it's got to be guns drawn to his head. Be still, or I'll blow your head off. I mean, really? 
Why does it have to be that? I mean, that's really a, a question I'd love to have answered by the the police department there. So I and, and I don't want to make it seem like it's an easy job. It's not. No, it's not an easy job. It's no it. one's ever said it's an easy job. It's a stressful job, and I applaud those who do it well. We applaud all law enforcement that do it well and they go about it the right way. But to this man trying to get away from a situation where there's possible gunfire, he's automatically seen as a suspect instead of as a potential victim in all of this. That's what we're trying to get away from as well. So, no, we're not here to deride and denigrate all law enforcement, as we've said time and time again. But those who would dismiss the claims of Michael Bennett prior to this incident, those who would dismiss the protests of Colin Kaepernick and everyone else that is trying to bring some sort of uh, uh, attention to what we're experiencing. How many more out there, as Michael Bennett alluded to, how many more are out there who have dealt with this situation that don't have a platform, don't have a voice, who are dead now? How many more out there? So this is not a, a, a... effort by me or Michael Bennett or anyone else who has tried to shine a light on this situation to deride law enforcement. No. And if you take it that way, you're just one in that number that wants to deflect and not get to the bottom of the issue. Let's get to the bottom of the issue. I applaud you. Those good cops, those good law enforcement. Yes, we need you. Appreciate you. But those, there are those amongst your ranks that are not good and you know who they are. You can't tell me that that if that was Mike Glennon and not Michael Bennett, that Mike Glennon, if he jumped that fence, that somebody would go and tackle and put a gun to his no. head. I they mean, would not have. I'm I'm fully confident in saying that, and it's that's really the issue is the is the profiling that happens in those high pressure situations that puts so many innocent people at risk, and yeah, it's a tough tough job. But when there's these preconceived notions, when there's profiling that's involved, when there's some underlying issues in people's heads about how they feel about people of color, then stuff like this happens, and it's going to continue to happen. So I'm glad that Michael Bennett shared the story, and I'm happy to see that there is some support around him. Of course, from his head coach, you knew that would happen. You know, and and Roger Goodell. I was torn on this yesterday. I mean, I'm glad that he didn't. I'm with you. I'm glad he didn't say, he didn't not say anything. But I just have so many questions about his intentions on everything. What he said should have been said weeks and months ago. Yeah. That's how I felt about it. What he said, he finally struck the right tone. But what was that months ago? What was that? You just put out a statement about the players kneeling a few weeks back. What, what was that tone then? Because there are those, and I believe Roger Goodell was in that number until probably yesterday when you have now a video of one of the best players in his league uh, that has had to deal with this situation in a real life, on a real life basis. Now he comes out and strikes the right tone. Yeah, and the statement read, Michael Bennett represents the best of the NFL, a leader on his team and in his community. Our foremost concern is the welfare of Michael and his family. While we understand the Las Vegas Police Department will address this later, the issues Michael has been raising deserve serious attention from all of our leaders in every community. We will support Michael and all the NFL players in promoting mutual respect between law enforcement and the communities they loyalty serve and fair and equal treatment under the law, end quote. It almost felt like he said, or the people around him said, 
all right, we got to do something now, right? Like, well, I mean, let's just do it. It's the right thing to do, right? Hey, can we get a poll in here? Is it the right thing to do to put out a statement now? What do you think? <laughs> you know, as opposed to what I want from him, and he's talking about leaders and Michael Bennett being a leader. What I want from him is to be that leader on his own. Now, I, I have questions about, you know, how this came about because they're so calculated with their PR. But maybe he did. Maybe he said, you know what? I want to do this now. I, I'm, I don't care what you guys say. I'm putting out this statement. I'm writing it, and I'm doing it because I feel like I need to stand up for one of these players in our, our league. But come on. I mean, with the history of Goodell and player relationships, give me a break. I mean, this was another calculated PR move. But as I said, I'm torn. I'm happy he said something. <laughs> I am. Because if he had stayed quiet, that to me is even worse. Yeah, it's weeks and months uh, too late, uh, the, the statement he, he, he made. But – uh, I, I don't know if it's calculated or not. I think he was definitely forced. He had to come out and and, and give some uh, perspective on, on, on this situation. And it could have been said months ago. It wasn't. It took something like this for him to come out and, and express those views. And so now we have that on record, and, and let's see how he handles it moving forward. Yeah, and it's it really it's stomach-turning to hear the detractors now. Of oh he should have listened to the well, police. I was listening when they pulled my ass out of a little nondescript Nissan Sentra back in 1986 in L.A. and made me lie face down on the hot concrete. I was listening then. I was listening when I got pulled over here in New York a, a year ago, and the guy lied and said we pulled you over because you didn't signal, and then had to admit he was lying. I was listening then. My, my relative was listening when he was cavity searched because the co- officer questioned how he was driving a, a, a BMW. Hey, come on. That's bull. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227 if you want to join the show. We've got some football coming up, including another injury to a Cleveland Brown as they're trying to start anew in 2017. Bogish update. We're coming right back. Talk to Gio and Jones now. 855-212-4CBS. Andrew Bogish is with us. He's got a sports update. Good morning, Andrew. What is going on? Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Brian. With all of its off-field issues, the NFL gets back on the field tonight. The Patriots will raise their fifth Super Bowl banner, then host the Chiefs, which led to both head coaches doing a lot of butt-kissing this week. First, the one from New England. And he's a great coach. Uh, one in two organizations. That's certainly nice, <laughs> but then Andy Reid goes next level. Well, he's a phenomenal coach, great human being. Are you kidding me? Great human being. Wow. Jeez. What? It's a coaching fraternity. Well, he's a phenomenal coach, great human being. He is a phenomenal coach. He is. He's a, is he a great human being? He's a great American. Yes. Do your job. No days off. No days off. Oh, no days off. Yeah. Oh, Except when I go to Celtics games and fishing. and Well, he has to have a day off, right? No. He screams oh. no days off. Oh, yeah. Man. He means during the season. No. no days off. That was after no the season. Well, that, was the, that was the mantra during the season, no days off. He's a great human being. Go Pats! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous is that chant? The best part about that chant was the fact that everybody who was there just took a day off to be there. <laughs> oh, you guys are reading too much into it. No, we're oh, not. Yes, you are. No days off, man. No days off. End oh, of God. sentence. Okay. Great human being. Kick so, off in Foxborough. Except for when you're celebrating the past. Oh, okay. Pass! So you should have put that in part oh, of the chant. God. No days off. 
Except when you celebrate in the past. No thanks all. That would have worked. That has a nice ring to it. You may proceed, folks. Uh, the Raiders and kickers Sebastian Janikowski reportedly resolved their contract impasse, but exact details unclear this morning. The team wanted to rework Janikowski's contract before his $4 million salary became fully guaranteed this weekend. And veteran receiver James Jones is retiring. He did not play last season after the Chargers cut him at the end of training camp. That'll 20, help you retire. 27 games of winning streaks now for the Indians and Diamondbacks. Cleveland's run is 14 after a 5-1 final at the White Sox, Arizona up to 13 after a 3-1 decision at Dodger Stadium. L.A. has been the victim in six of those 13 victories. Giants second baseman Joe Panic damaging the Rockies' wildcard lead. Here's the 1-0. Swinging a line drive down the right field line. That's hit number 10. Digging it out is Gonzalez. He does it nicely. And uh, they're going to wave in Hernandez. The throw is offline. Hernandez scores. Panic's got another hit. This one's a double, and it's 6-1. to one. Dwayne Kuyper, Giants, Radio Panic, five hits in an 11-3 victory in Denver. He's the first player since Jerry Remy in 1981 to have 12 hits in a three-game series. Colorado leads St. Louis by two games for the second NL Wild Card. The Redbirds won their fourth straight, 3-1 in San Diego. The Astros winning their seventh straight, 5-3 in Seattle. The Red Sox topped the Jays 6-1 in just nine innings after playing 19 the night before, and the Royals routed the Tigers 13-2. to KC is two and a half games behind Minnesota for the second AL wildcard. The Tampa Bay Rays not leaving for Boston until today instead of yesterday to give players and staff more time to prepare for Hurricane Irma. The Florida Panthers chartering a jet to take 90 players and staff members and their pets to Boston to avoid the storm. For the first time since 1981, the U.S. Open women's semifinals involve only Americans. Madison yeah. Keys completing the quartet last night. America first. America first. Mm. There's one way we've been better. Yep. We're great again at women's tennis. That's right. At the U.S. Take Open. Take that, world. Take that, Kaya. Suck Kinetti. on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put that okay. on a hat. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're going to sit this one out. Yeah. Okay. You uh, know, uh, I am so anti-America, man. I ain't down with this. I want some Eastern Europeans into this joint. Come on. Can I get at least one? One to gawk at? We're here to make Sports Talk Radio great again. That's not one of my finest moments. Only on CBS Sports Radio. I hate you. Those are the liners, by the way, people don't know that we gave to Brian on Inauguration Day and told him that the boss made us read them, and he just read them. Happy Inauguration Day from your friends at (laughs) CBS Sports Radio. I was not happy on that day. (laughs) I think my favorite was turn the page with us. Turn the page with us, Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. (laughs) Happy Inauguration Day. Everyone does that. (laughs) Burn the page. <laughs> Get sworn into the best of the best oh, at geoandjones.com slash audio. I mean, you've never sold a liner better than these. <laughs> slash audio. That's what anger would do to you. From Bring D.C. Out. to online. Oh, oh, cover at cbssportsradio.com. <laughs> the best part about that was you are so tough to deal with when it comes to reading stuff or doing something after the show or whatever. You know, I don't want to do these liners, whatever it is. But those, for whatever reason, you were like, yeah, no problem. Let me do a couple takes. Make sure I get it right. You've also never spoken in that voice again. 
<laughs> the amount of like excitement in that in your voice there has never been duplicated. Turn the page with us. <laughs> Well, uh, happy inauguration day. <laughs> happy inauguration day from your friends at CBS Sports Radio. Oh, we did a good job writing those, Mike. Didn't we? <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> we really, I'm proud of myself. I, I was trying to fool myself into thinking I was. Uh, it was a nightmare. I was dreaming. Slash <laughs> <laughs> audio. Oh, stop, man! Come on. So you are a great human being. <laughs> I don't know about Belichick, but you right. certainly are. Did I tell you that Roger Federer lost to Juan Martín yeah, Del Potro? Yeah, did, man. No, you didn't. He lost? You did. Yeah. Oh, damn. It was a bummer, right? Didn't you have uh, uh, a lot of people excited to see? <laughs> yeah. I did. Federer and Nadal never right. played the U.S. Open, well, and I, now they are not this year either. Yeah, there was a lot of tickets that were in anticipation of that that were going for hundreds of dollars. Who's oh. this Potro fella? You're asking me? Uh, <laughs> he's plays tennis. Yeah. He's apparently, Todd pretty good. Graham out yeah. there, right? He's got a racket, guys, some sneakers. Must not remember the 2009 U.S. Open with which Juan Martín Del Potro won. I don't remember. Oh, damn, I did. Beating Nadal and Federer oh. at the end. So he's wow. up to his old tricks again. Mm-hmm. Good for Todd him. Todd Graham's team out there. <laughs> Juan Martin Del Potro over there. Out there. Got In anything. Argentina. Got anything else, Bogus? No, I'm done. All right. <laughs> I mean, he's European, man. Come on, make this interesting again. Now, do you have a friend that has screwed up so much in the past that every little thing that they do, someone will criticize? I can't believe he got this happened again. But if it was another friend who stayed out of trouble, he did the same thing. Yeah, right. He'd be like, "Oh, I wonder what he was thinking." I'll be okay. Right. Well, that's the way I feel about the Browns <laughs> because everything that happens to them, I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is unbelievable!" Because it's just been year after year of bad luck, ineptitude, bad decisions. Mm-hmm. So when a first round draft pick sprains his ankle. In another market for another team, you think, ah, it's tough. He'll be back, whatever, fine. But when it's Miles Garrett and the Browns, and it could be bad, he's going to undergo the MRI, and he's not going to play in week one, uh, I don't think. It says his status for the opener is in doubt, but you, right. see, you read into this. It doesn't sound like he's going to be playing at all. It's just like, can they catch a damn break? Of all the things, I know they're excited about Deshaun Kaiser, but, he, I mean, there's boomer bust potential there. Right. But Miles Garrett, I mean, this guy was going to be good. I'm, I'm confident saying that the, the guy was going to be damn good, and he had something there tangible to be excited about, and now you're not going to get a chance to watch him go after Ben Roethlisberger in week one. Well, we, we were just discussing the potential offensive player of the year, rookie of the year, in, in Christian McCaffrey, and clearly this guy, Miles Garrett, was at the top of the list of defensive rookie player of the year uh, and and now with this injury and he had a history of this ankle injury you go back to his collegiate days at Texas A&M and there was one play where a big John Skipper of the Arkansas Razorbacks hit him from behind and he had to deal with that that ankle injury for for all, all season that particular year so and, and he dealt with it last year as, as well and so here's a guy that's had that history and I'm sure the Cleveland Browns and all the teams that are interested in in Drafting him last spring, we're aware of that, and now he has tweaked it again. We'll see the severity of it. Hopefully, get the results uh, later today. But yeah, this seems like they're snake bitten. Uh, this team, uh, something always uh, seems to befall them. Uh, it's just amazing, and, and the hits just keep on coming. And, and they have to guard against saying, "Wow, here we go again." And, and somehow, 
come, overcome this as they've overcome coaching overhauls and players being suspended, whether it's Josh, Josh Gordon or, you know, just one thing after another that they've had to deal with uh, there in Cleveland. And, and here we are again. You know who's been quiet lately is Johnny Manziel. I haven't heard a thing from him in a um, long time. He wasn't quiet, I guess, a week or so ago oh. when the Canadian team said, nah, I don't think he's ready to resume his football career. Yeah, but I guess I wasn't here. Was one of my no, days you were off. not here. But I haven't heard much from him. But like, I haven't, well, at least have for him, he's screwing up. Yeah, he shouldn't have anything to say. I yeah. mean, I don't know how he screws that up. They go down to work him out, and maybe he wasn't interested in playing in Canada. I don't know. Uh, but... Uh, they felt like his head wasn't in the right place. That's not a good sign. A quarterback whose head is always in the right place, Kirk Cousins, who is the quarterback of Wagner Thermo Quiet, my <laughs> fantasy football How team here. How you like here. me now? That's your guy? So uh, he was talking about money and contracts and stuff and some of the influences he had in making mm-hmm. his decision. So something very important I think we need to listen to. I prayed about it and said, Lord, what do you want to do? And I just didn't feel a peace about signing a long-term contract. And I think the Lord communicates to us in many ways, and one of those ways is through his peace. And, um, and I just didn't feel a peace. And in addition, I do believe that uh, the Lord, at least in my life, he likes to use one-year contracts, not long-term <laughs> contracts, if you will. Uh, he likes to take me to the edge of the Red Sea. And have me see there's water in front of me, there's mountains on either side, and there's the Egyptians chasing me behind. And he wants me to sit there for a moment and go, God, you better show up. And then he parts the Red Sea. And he's done that time and again in my life, on the football field and off the football field. And I believe that a a long-term contract, fully guaranteed, whatever, when you start talking about that. I think that's that's the Lord saying, Kirk, I'm gonna you know, here's the Red Sea parted before you even get start getting chased. And and I think oh. the Lord is, is a God who says, No, I'm gonna give you manna every day. I'm not gonna give you manna for, for three years. Okay? You just get enough for today and trust me for the rest and and uh, the Lord's doing that through my football contracts and while it's been much talked about on the outside, he's also teaching me and my family something as we go through it. Well, I guess we learned something that the Lord is Dan Schneider. Because yeah. that's the guy who's screwing this up, him and his entire organization. Hey, Lord, what blame, do you want to do? Quit blaming it on the Egyptians, man. <laughs> right. They no. didn't influence Dan Snyder. <laughs> damn it. They felt enough wrath yeah. over the years, Come the on. damn Egyptians. That was, that was deep. <laughs> yeah. No, dog, you don't need a $60 million contract. You just need 26 It's not the that's it. Lord who's making the decision on the one-year deals. It's your inept organization yeah. that's doing it. God, you better show up. Yeah, and James Jones, the Lord said, you better hang it up. So you got <laughs> cut last year. Uh, yeah. I got to trade him. You going to trade him now? Too, yeah. too religious for you? Yeah, too yeah. much. Too much. Subtly, I think my favorite part of that is, you know, I sat down and said, Lord, what do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he likes to take me to the edge of the Red Sea. Lord, what do you what do you want to do? Like, now, what, does I, he, I, I, you do, pray, but I, I don't pray to who he's praying to. But I, you sit there and you you reflect and you you have a moment with you know your 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 higher ups. There's a, there's a I, we, you and I talk about it. There's something metaphysical about this, and, and there's a there's something that's bigger than you in the universe, and you, you try to come to peace with that. But and yeah, I hear voices. I, you get a peace. Oh, do you? Especially in yoga, I get a peace, man. You know, I sit there. Mm-hmm. Okay, I hear you. Yeah, I'll go this direction. To the I wonder how far he takes it, though, Kirk Cousins. Like, does he sit down to the Red and, Sea, to, to uh, an Applebee's, and look at the menu and go, "All right, Lord, what are we doing? Today? Yeah, are we doing the we potato doing? skins, or what are we doing? <laughs> what do you want? No, to do no, today? you choked on them the last. Time. <laughs> what do you want? No. Are we going to build our own burger today, or? I mean, <laughs> and he wants me to sit there for a moment and go, 
God, you better show up. Because mm-hmm. these Egyptians are after me. Here they come. What is that? Who's that behind me? Is that Jason Pierre Paul? <laughs> or is that an Egyptian? <laughs> Woo! I don't know. I better get rid of it, though. Mm. I'm feeling the pressure in the pocket. Uh, Kirk, mm. it's all right, man. Keep doing your thing. Yeah, all man, right. it's working. 26 a year. Yeah, it, it, it is. <laughs> I was getting paid $26 million, I guess I probably. I just want you to eat for today. I'm only going to give you $26 million to eat today. Manna every day. Mm. Coming right back. Keep up with the latest on the show on Twitter at Geo and Jones. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. So Nick Saban, who is the Belichick of college football, uh, a lot of similarities, so much success, ornery, a lot of money, (laughs) arguably the best who's ever done it. Loves Gio and Jones for 22 minutes. Yep, that's right. Exact same age, the, the, the two of them. Uh, I don't think we'd get Belichick for 22 minutes. I mean, Nick Saban at least answered. The reason we were able to get Nick Saban for 22 minutes is he gave us thoughtful answers. Yeah, I don't think Belichick would would do that with us or we'd ever get him on, period. But anyway, so Nick Saban was talking about whether or not he was worth $11 million. Mm. And that was was the question. And whether or not he was being chased by the Egyptians? <laughs> no, he did oh, that, no, that no, did he, not come that up. Didn't in come the, up. That did not come up in the in the in this press conference. It, it's early in the season, so it may. Mm. Um, but a guy asked him, "Do you think you're worth the eleven million? And Saban said, "Probably not." Mm. So I don't think it's up to me to determine what the value is or what the market is for coaches or what value I've created here for this institution and this place. I think the people that make those decisions, we haven't asked for anything. We've been treated extremely well here. We certainly appreciate it. I appreciate our administration. Our, I appreciate our athletic administration for the way they've supported the program and helped us be successful. And I've been very thankful for what they've done for my family. End quote. That's the right answer to give when it comes to money and Nick Saban. You cannot Not the Egyptians. You cannot say there's no way that you could say, yeah, I think I deserve more. Why not? Because when you make $11 million... And you stand up there and you say, I think I should get more than $11 million. It's just not the greatest look. But I will say this. $11 million for Nick Saban is a bargain for what he does for that university. Wow. Without a doubt, it's a bargain. Okay. I mean, this guy, to me, is worth, in the grand scheme of sports, if you want to put it up against anything, I think he's worth upwards of $20 million or more. The money he brings in, what he means to college football, the fact that they're there every single year. Enrollment has gone up 33% since he's been there. I mean, he every they basically fund everything that happens at that university yeah. because of the success of that football program. Mm-hmm. $11 million is chump change for a guy who's that important. He affects enrollment. He affects travel and, and the economy of Atlanta. Like, it's no one's business because he's always there taking his team there. He's won what, the last three conference championships. Uh, and, and they travel uh, the Alabama faithful so well. He, he affects any city they travel to. He's going to affect your economy in such a positive way. And what I love about what he said is that we haven't asked for anything. Hmm. And you don't have to ask for anything when you're winning like that. They're going to come to you and say, okay, this is what we want to give you. Okay, cool. 
I mean, why, he don't really need an agent. He doesn't need an agent anymore. Uh, he, he, he's done. He'll finish his career there at Alabama. Now, he's asked for facilities to be upgraded here and there. But aside from that, the money, he hasn't asked for anything. He doesn't have to. Yeah. It, the, his work speaks for itself. Yeah, and they desperately need him. Yeah. And that's what happens when you are needed more than the places. And they were in the wilderness for a while. You go back to the early 2000s. They were there for a while. Oh, yeah. And then he comes on campus, and within two years, they're relevant again. More than relevant. I mean, they are. They're they the are team. college football. Even yeah. losing last year in the last seconds of that game versus Clemson, the epicenter of college football still resides in Tuscaloosa. Now, you don't have them in your playoff. I do not. You think they're going to lose two? I like Auburn. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So you think they're losing to Auburn? You think they're losing to who else? They don't have to lose anyone else. Just you lose think to Auburn. One, you think if Auburn's, I think if Auburn can stay unscathed in in the um, conference and, and knock them off, LSU mm-hmm. would be in a number again. LSU would be a tough tough out. Yeah, but uh, I, I like Auburn to win. See, I think that it's going to be very tough to keep Alabama out if they're only losses to Auburn. With one one loss and Auburn being in the playoff, that's going to be a tough if thing. If Auburn, to so you think SEC could get two? Oh yeah. Easily, if that, if that second one is Alabama, uh, easy. If, if they don't play for their and, – and this is what we have to guard against. This is the problem I have with last year's playoff team, Ohio State getting in. They didn't win their division, and they didn't win their conference, but yet they got into the college football playoff, and they got thumped by Clemson 31 to nothing. And we were supposed to be rid of that happening with this college football playoff because we had Alabama in 2011. Didn't win – the conference championship, didn't win their division, but they got another shot at LSU in the BCS title game, and, of course, they won that. Mm-hmm. So if they don't win the division and win the conference, they shouldn't well, get in, just like Ohio State shouldn't have been in last year. Let's say they, they both go into that game undefeated. Okay. It's an epic game, and yeah. we've seen them play epic games mm-hmm. before. You're telling me that that one loss to Auburn in an epic game should knock them out of the playoffs? Yeah, especially when you have maybe a Clemson or Florida State. Let's see if they can jump back into this thing. If they're sitting there at the ACC, you got Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan out of the, the Big Tw- uh, out of the Big Ten, and you've got, say, an undefeated Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or TCU in the, in the Big 12. Well, yes. I'll say that a one-loss Alabama, if it's to Auburn, will get in over a one-loss team anywhere else and will leapfrog potentially undefeated teams with mm. lesser It may happen. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I don't want it to happen, and it shouldn't happen. <laughs> no, I know. I'm, well, what we want is not what we're talking about here. I, I'd love it should to not see, happen. I'd love to see That should Pitt. not occur. If you don't win your division, you don't win your <laughs> conference championship, you should not be in the playoffs. Ohio State should not have been in the playoffs last year. Yeah. You well, lose to Penn State. Penn State wins the conference, and yet they don't get in. Uh, what, what value does a conference championship have? None. That's, that's and that's right the there. problem I have. It should. Yeah, I so know. So why have conference championship games? If they don't matter, let's Moolah. do away with them. Moolah. Do away with I know it's about that's the money. That's why have them. So. so you can flee from the Egyptians. <laughs> no, no, I don't think oh, they had. No. I don't think money was an issue then either. Oh. Um, but I've, I think the, the committee has made it clear now. Like my biggest problem with the committee is it, things weren't clear. But now I, I think from seeing them operate, over several seasons or a couple seasons that they don't believe that conference championships mean much of anything. And I know that when you look back to the couple years ago, the example of, of the Big 12 and you know how they didn't have an opportunity in a conference championship game that probably kept them out, sure, you can use that argument. But I really think that they look at strength of schedule and who you lost to more than anything else. 
What happened with Baylor and TCU the first year of this playoff, they were both sitting there with one loss. And the reason they didn't get in that year is because they were not the big brands that Texas and Oklahoma I do agree are. with that, yeah. Oklahoma gets in the next year, and they lose to Clemson there in, in Miami in the Orange Bowl. But OU, and I said this at the time, when TCU and Baylor uh, were, were just treated so unfairly, Win your last ball game and you you're moved out of the the fourth spot and the fifth spot and, and I, I said this if they had been Texas if they'd been OU if they'd been some of those iconic programs that would not have happened OU gets in the next year and of course they lose in the semifinals but they got in without having a conference championship game in the Big Twelve because they were Oklahoma mm-hmm. and they have seven eight national championships another reason I believe a one loss Alabama team gets Mm-mm. in not if you got a you got a one loss big 10 champion you have a one loss uh acc champion and, and and possibly a one loss or undefeated big 12 champion then i get in no they will Mm-mm. they will find it especially if that one loss to auburn is undefeated and they're the number one team in the country that fourth you're team snub alabama you're gonna snub those alabama. other conferences yes yeah. you are you know you're not snubbing them you're awarding that fourth slot to the best of the best that's what you're doing. It would not happen. Roll damn tide, Brian Jones. Roll damn tide. I see some Egyptians out here. I'll be right back. <laughs> Supposed to run away from them, not towards them. Oh, they're my peeps. Coming up next, Christian Fourier. Talk some football and a bunch of stuff with him. Gio and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.